we're putting God first and believing that he's going to help us accomplish our impossible goals. I'm Melody Bateman. I'm a running coach, and I believe in letting the real you out. I'm Tracy Robbins King, and I'm a creation coach. I am enthusiastic about helping people make incremental progress. And we're three peas in pod as we're entrepreneurs, runners, and podcasters. So there's going to be a lot of nerding out. Episodes drop Monday. Woo woo. So we're here with Tracy Robbins King in the spotlight. And Melody, I knew Tracy back when she was Tracy Robbins before the kink. And our relationship, we started telling um, Melody this at lunch, but then we stopped because we're like, nope, we have to wait for the episode. Um, But our first year with our friendship, it was just over Voxer. And we became really close, actually. Yeah. We met at a, a boating activity, and Tracy was cheering everyone on the boat. And I was like, this gal is cool. I want to be her friend. And then we just started becoming, I think we exchanged numbers and became Voxer friends and literally did not see each other in person. But we knew so much about each other. For yeah, we year. were very close friends. Our love That's of awesome. audio. We should have both known at that time that we go into podcasting. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the only two people that like sending 15-minute vo- audio messages to each other. <laughs> this is so true. Wait, so how long have you guys known each other? It would have been when I lived in Sandy after I'd come back from D.C. So it would have been 2015. Oh, it would have been 2015. Yeah. Yeah, it was 2015. So it's been a little bit. That's awesome. I didn't know that you guys went back so far. I didn't realize it's been that long. I didn't either. I was sitting there, I'm like, wow, we've known each other for six years. Is that right, math? Yeah. I mean, you're better at math than me. (laughs) It feels like... Because it was 2021 and it was 2015. Oh, I guess I'm just ahead of time. I was thinking it's going to be 2023. So that we were closer. I was like, we're eight years. but We're six. It's only going to be 2022. Yeah. Well, I guess it is 2022 coming up. But anyways, yeah, six years. Yeah. We've been friends for a long time. And I feel like Steph is the reason why I'm even in to podcasting. Otherwise, I wouldn't be. And we all know that podcasting has become a really important part of my life. But that's because of Steph. I'm excited that you were okay to nerd out about podcasting because at the very beginning, you know, I knew a few podcasters, but none of my friends cared about podcasting. Now that it's been like almost five years, it is different where people like were listening, but it didn't seem as available to everyone. And so the fact that you wanted to learn how to start a podcast, I was like, heck yes. Let's do this together. Yeah, it's true. And the name of your podcast is? The Thy Neighbor Podcast. And I interview remarkable people who are making the world a better place to live in, which means I have no niche except awesome people. (laughs) I'm very concerned about that right now, but it's going to come. I'm going to figure this out. So, And I'm actually having so much fun with it right now. I have a lot of good momentum. You're killing it. Yeah. You're killing that lately. So, I mean, I'm just like, oh, I want to have you on. Oh, I want to have you on. Like, I just have a lot of, I have a bunch in the the vault. I have five interviews I need to edit. And wow. I have one that's coming up. And just, it's, I'm like, wow. That's awesome. I mean, your stat, you were telling me your stats this week. and yeah. Or... And it's like in February, like your stats probably have increased, would you say 300%? Well, you know, if you were looking at like the year as a whole, yeah. I've ups- I've like increased by 1,007, like <laughs> 1, 1,700% or something. Ooh. It's like very funny because they equate it based on downloads over that period of time. It's and I not had funny. basically it's zero awesome. downloads at that time a year ago because I wasn't podcasting. You said it was one. What? Wasn't it one or two? Yeah, it was like one or two downloads. Yeah, I had like one or two downloads. I'm like, don't discredit yourself. Yeah, I mean, like, I have one download. Come on. Crazy, like, think think better of yourself. Uh, So I had like one or two downloads, and I've increased since then. But you also hadn't been podcasting since like 2000 and when would... Well, I I started in... So I started technically like my first episode in December of 2018, and then I did five or... I did seven episodes, and then I fell off the wagon and didn't return to it until March of... 2021. So I took a long hiatus, two year hiatus from the uh, podcasting world and then returned to it just under two years. How many people you think that happens to though? 
Like, I bet lots of people start, then they fall off, and they either never come back or they come back later. And Yeah, I think that's, I think it's pretty normal. I think that podcasting is its own beast. So, yeah, for sure. It's not just, and I would say that regarding podcasting, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into when you start, and then you realize what you're getting yourself into, and then you wonder if you want to keep doing it. Right. it's a lot of work so I feel like yeah like there's just a lot of elements to it as well depending on how you run your podcast yeah you know you're saying that you're looking for your niche and you'll find your niche like we were just saying earlier that you kind of just gotta get going and you kind of you have to mess up over and over again those are the steps you have to take to get to your niche and to get to absolutely get to the that angle, right? Yeah, I definitely believe in that. I definitely believe in the Steph Scholl way, which yeah. is do it. You're great <laughs> at it, Steph. You're great at just jumping in and doing it. But the thing is, guys, I'm not a perfectionist. If you look at the very first season of my first podcast, I i mean, first episode, first season, I had to switch my name because during the long time it took me, a new name was taken, like, it was already taken or whatever. And so it has the wrong name on it. Like, I say the wrong name in the podcast. But if I was a perfectionist, I would have just, like, sat on that longer. <laughs> so I feel like that's, like, a good skill that both of you guys are more perfectionists. And so you need a little bit of both. Right. I can get it out there, but you also need that fine-tuning. Well, and I think that I see, and I would actually almost say perfectionism is, perfectionism is almost never a good thing. And this is just really? my own personal opinion, really? but I, I would say that it's almost never a good thing because I really do think like Ember Pilates said in my episode this week, you know, it's just perfectionism is just fear with high heels on. And I really just think that perfectionism is really a cover for fear. And, oh, what if people won't like, you know, judgments and things like that that we're afraid of. And I do think that having a high standard is different than perfectionism. I do think they're two different things. I think that one of them has a totally different energy to it. Like having high standards is totally different than being a perfectionist. Oh, Tracy, you just made my anxiety go through the roof. (laughs) I have to rethink everything. Well, I'm here for you. <laughs> I need you as my life coach. <laughs> Help me. And I mean, maybe that's just part of it, too, is that this week myself, I heard So the episode that I did this week that I interviewed for is with Rachel Curfew. Uh, not the Utah. At the Utah Speakers Association, I met her. And I was like, hey. And we chatted. And she was super warm and friendly. And I, I was like, oh. And then I didn't invite her onto my podcast, but I felt like I should. So I was like, hey, come onto my podcast. And so we started to talk about anxiety. And she specifically, because I've struggled with that. And so she said, well, one of the things is that anxiety, if you're really looking at it carefully, she's like, you'll see that you need to get really familiar and really clear about the voice of anxiety like what that looks like for you so that you can identify your voice of anxiety. And for me, I was like, whoa, I need to be better friends with the anxiety in my life so that I can be better at identifying it so I know when it's the anxiety and know that it's not the spirit or anything else. For myself... That's actually a really cool point right there. It is. Because I think people confuse it with the spirit a lot. Right, and I think that's what I've struggled with my whole life is like is mixing up anxiety as the spirit when in reality it really was the anxiety. It was not the spirit. And I feel like talking to her this week was super like blew my mind because then I started to look how I was... I was like, wait, why am I feeling anxious right now? And I was being better at inquiring about that. Like, what is happening right now? Why is, why is me? So, so for example, I went to go run errands and I felt like, oh, I, and I even prayed before I ran errands. I was like, Heavenly Father, if you can make this like a pretty fast moving experience, that'd be so great. And if not, help me to accept the pace of this current world. And so I went to the bank to get something notarized and the notary was not available. Um, and so I was like, well, I'll go to the next bank, you know, I'll find somewhere else. And then I went and I dropped off my library books. And then I went to Walmart and I had this thought, like, don't go to Walmart. And I'm like, is that the spirit? Right. And, and because I just had this conversation, I was like, is this the spirit or is this, is this the anxiety talking? And I kind of was like, you know what? 
if it is the anxiety, I'm just going to go to Walmart because that's where I'm going to get the least expensive. And maybe they won't have it. And I'll know that that was the spirit, but I'm going to just go. So I went to Walmart and they had the things I needed, all of the things I needed. And I was like, that was interesting. And I kind of identified that my anxiety is trying to protect me. And oftentimes it's trying to, yeah, anxiety is trying to protect you, right? The ultimate purpose of anxiety is to protect you. And so I think sometimes I've used that like anxious voice to try to be like, ooh, I was following the spirit. But in reality, it was just trying to protect me from from maybe failing or something like that or not do or or not going the way I wanted it to go. And then I en- ended up going up and getting something notarized and because I was right next to the post office, I could just drop it off. So I ended up being super efficient. And it was a really fast experience, but I really started to be like, is that the right am I listening to the right voices? Am I heeding the right voices and am I getting clear about what is the anxiety? So that was super insightful and something I learned this week that I'm just really grateful for that I'm still trying to like look at more carefully, be like, huh, what am I anxious about right now that's creating this feeling? Because anxiety always shows up in your body as a physical response. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you more questions yeah. about anxiety? Because yeah. I, I mentioned in my podcast that I've struggled with anxiety most of my right. life. Do you, do you feel like you've struggled with anxiety your whole life? Do you can For the most, yeah. It yeah. looks like, well, yeah, on like lower levels. And mm-hmm. then when I hit, I would say about puberty, and then onward, I um, it was definitely manifesting. I didn't acknowledge it until I was home from my mission. Really? How has the anxiety in your life, like how has it impacted your life? Um, so I would say that it, the biggest area it impacted was my dating life. So I was constantly feeling like I was dating the wrong people. And maybe I was. I mean, <laughs> who knows, right? Like that's like those ships have all sailed, you know? <laughs> but um, I... I felt a lot of anxiety about, am I dating the right person? Is this the right person for me? Mm. Um, and I would go to the spirit and I would ask things like, Heavenly Father, am I supposed to, am I supposed to continue to date this person? And more often than not, I would get thoughts like, he's not the one. Mm-hmm. And that became a repeated phrase. He's not the one. So often so that it was like, can they all not be the one? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I really yeah, had to start yeah. questioning. You're like, wait a second. Is this the spirit or is this opposition? Is mm. this actually God or is this true? And you could look back on some of these stories and be like, wow. I mean, one in particular, and this is kind of a personal one, but there was this guy. I really, really liked him. I mean, I liked him. I liked being around him. I thought he was so awesome. He was smart. He was super into me. He was handsome, like he was generous. I mean, just some wonderful attributes. I really liked him. And, but as I started to get to know him, I was like, whoa, he's liking me. And I was shocked by how much this mature person, he'd already been married once before. And he was so much wiser from having gone through that divorce. And I was just really impressed with him. And then um, I remember I went on a date and I took him up to, uh, my friend's reception and she, and on the way back I just had this thought like I literally had a vision in my head and he was with another woman and they had a little girl and I literally saw him with somebody else and I was like shoot I'm not that girl you know and it broke my heart. It broke my heart like so much because I was like, oh, this is like somebody I really want to be with. And uh, but I, you know, it wasn't and I, I broke it off as a result of that. And he ended up getting married to the next girl he dated and um, they got married and they have two little girls. And isn't wow. that interesting that like I kind of saw like a future thing. And at the same time, I'm like. I think that worked out how it was supposed to. Like, it wasn't me. I wasn't the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, like, a very specific experience. But I also had other experiences, like a guy after that that I met. And I was like, wow, he is awesome. I like him so much. Again, I was like, wow, his personality is, like, so up my alley, right? And then I dated him. 
And I was like, Heavenly Father, please let this be good. Like, let this be good. And then I felt again, like, you should break up with him. And I was like, okay. So I broke up with him. And he ended up, there was like a whole debacle that came from that breakup. And he stayed in my circle for a little bit of time and ended up marrying a girl a few, like a year later as well. Mm -hmm. And they, um, and I don't know what has happened to him, Mm -hmm. but I, I look at both of those situations and they were both people I really wanted to be with. Um, and they were both divorced and they had both been through some really like trying experiences that had created some really mature, they were very mature men. And, but I always was confused. Like, was that really the spirit? Like I actually liked them or was that a defense mechanism because they were getting closer to me? I was feeling the anxiety of like, what if they don't like me as much as I like them? And I, you know, unto this day, I'm not sure if that was just like a defense mechanism that I used to like protect myself. Like I'll break your heart before you'll break mine. Uh, that's still something I would have to like dig into more. Mm-hmm. But I think it really did make me wonder, like, was I following the spirit? Cause I felt they were both like, felt like spiritual experiences and spiritual encounters, but I questioned them a lot, you know, years going on. And then I would like date the next person and I'd be like, do I actually, and this is where it started to get more clear as I was like, do I just not like these people? And I'm telling myself I like them just because they like me. So you start kind of gaslighting yourself. And so I started to like, yeah, like started to be like, well, do I actually like these people? Like, am I actually listening to myself? And I felt like as soon as I started to listen to myself, I'd be like, do I really want to be with this person? And I'd be like, Mm -hmm. maybe not. And I need to be more honest about how I actually feel. And it's not Mm -hmm. the spirit. Like, I felt like I was gaslighting myself with the spirit. Like, oh, the spirit said I should Mm -hmm. do X, Y, Z. And it, no, it wasn't the spirit. It was, it was, or maybe it was the spirit, but it was also like me. It was also what I wanted and that that was coming through on these answers is that like, I didn't want it. And so I needed to be more honest about what I wanted. Wow. That's so interesting. It's really interesting how anxiety manifests its way so differently in each person because anxiety, I'm not an anxiety expert, but I'm, I'm thinking anxiety is just it's fear, right? And everyone has different fears. And anxiety comes up when we're scared of things. Mm-hmm. And so really I wonder if that was like, even looking back on those experiences, I can't describe to you like if that was, you know, the spirit, in a lot of ways it looked like it was, and it probably mm-hmm. was, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do look at those experiences and I'm kind of like, were you, was that me protecting myself from those experiences or was that the spirit? And even to this day, I don't have a complete clarity about that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, I dated another guy. I mean, I dated lots of people and I feel like every time there was kind of like a pattern that showed up Mm -hmm. and there, it was like the most I ever dated somebody was like two to three months before I broke up with him. And Mm -hmm. there was kind of this like pathway that I was, I was constantly trying to break it, you know, trying to break it. Like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And I was like, why isn't this easy? Like everybody says when it's the right person, it's just easy and it feels good. And you know, it's right. And why does it never feel right for me? And that, and that of course played into my current, like where, who I married, that same story was playing, Mm -hmm. but I just kind of was like, get married. (laughs) Just do it, you know? And I I took this big, like, leap of faith by getting married. And unfortunately, I brought some of that with me, you know, into my marriage. And so, you know, anxiety is going to go with you, and then it's going to show up in different ways, even if it's not showing up in the way it used to show up. It's still going to show up. It's going to mask itself in something else, in a different worry, and then it's going to show up again to try to, like, distract you or to be, um, to keep you, you know, in that state of fear. Basically. So interesting. What are your thoughts on like going into the past and digging up some of those things and trying to find answers? Because it sounds like you still don't totally understand what happened in the past. Yeah, I don't. Do you think it's important to to figure it out, or do you think it's it's? I think to I just feel way on? better about it now. Like at uh-huh. thirty three, I thirty three, and now at thirty six. Like uh-huh. thirty three is when I got married, and at thirty three, I think. I was still like learning about myself at Mm -hmm. that point. And at 36, I'm still learning about myself. But I think I look back on those experiences and I'm kind of like, you know, with both of those relationships that I referenced, the two stories there, both of those stories, those men were great examples to me, but I never got to know them really well, to be completely 
mm. transparent. Mm-hmm. I didn't date them long enough to really get to know them. I so see. I don't feel like, you know, President Nelson says good revelation comes with good information. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of these relationships that maybe could have become more clear to me, I lacked a lot of information on mm-hmm. why maybe I felt what I did. But I was more of the mindset like, well, if it's not good and if it's not the right time, and why would I waste my time? Like if it's not, if the Spirit's telling me no, like, well, then I should go, right? But people started to question me too. Like outside my myself, they would be like, are you sure that was the Spirit? Do you, are you sure that that mm-hmm. was like the Spirit saying that? Or was that was that something else that's, that's trying to keep you from moving forward. So then it, it made me wonder, like, can I trust myself, right? Am I trustworthy? And, mm. and I felt like maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not trustworthy. Maybe I'm not listening to the right voices. Who's talking to me? And so that can leave you in your own, like, existential crisis of just wondering, like, who am I listening to? What are these voices? Are they even God? Where, where is this coming from? And then you just get super sucked in and you become more depressed and you become more anxious and it makes you look back you look back and think well what if and what if and it's like well so what if (laughs) this happened and uh and if I did change these things up how would I feel do you and that was very interesting to me to just move forward and find peace in accepting that I don't understand it. Like, I feel like I'm at a different place now where I'm like, the more attention I give looking in the rear view mirror, the less I'm seeing myself in the present. And if I can like forgive myself, you know, I forgive myself for the past. I forgive myself for what I didn't understand. And I'm going to keep on training my, my, my ears to hear the voice of the Lord. And hopefully I'll get better as I keep going forward. And if he changes his voice, or if I realize that I wasn't really following the spirit, I'm going to try to pay attention to that and heed what was actually happening there. Um, but for me, the anxiety, the voice of anxiety and the voice of the spirit were hard for me to really parse out. And I'm still trying to work that out exactly. But I do feel like the spirit's voice is just so quiet. It's so quiet. And anxiety's it is loud. And anxiety's anxiety's yeah. like trying to call to you. And it's very immediate. I sometimes like feel like the spirit just comes like more subtly and more quietly. And I always remember it on the mission. They're like, the spirit speaks first. And I was like, actually, sometimes anxiety speaks first. Yeah. To be completely real. Like in my experience, sometimes the like the day I went skydiving back in September, the the first thing in my mind that morning was, "You're gonna die today." <laughs> that was the first thought, and I was like, "That's a terrible way to wake mm-hmm. up." But guess what? I didn't die, and I still jumped out of a plane. And maybe I could have died. I didn't. I didn't though. And do you see what I mean? Like, was that the voice of the spirit? I think not. I think mm-hmm. that was anxiety trying to protect me from doing something that it perceives as stupid. Wow. So do you see what I mean? Like, and also when I lived in Spain, I went to Spain when I was like 23, 22. I just finished my degree at BYU Idaho and I went to and lived in Spain and I was 23. I went and lived in Spain. And like when I was on my way there, I just felt intense amounts of discomfort because I was going to a new country. I was going to go speak a language that I really wasn't super good at. And then I was going to live with a family that I didn't know if they were going to be welcoming to me, which they were amazing. But you know what I mean? Those things that happened. And so, of course, you're going to feel anxiety because it's totally unfamiliar. And guess what? Your brain is trying to protect you. It's gonna always going to try to protect you from doing things that it thinks are potentially going to kill you. That makes sense. I feel like I've just have had a million sparks in my head with things that you've said. Do you think that these past experiences are maybe gifts from God, like maybe clues to your future, like gifts, because maybe, maybe you don't ever figure them out. Maybe you do eventually, but it's information that you can use, right? You can, moving forward, you can use that information to learn and move forward. Right. And I feel like it's it's informing 
my my practice, like my coaching practice. The anxiety totally. is really a map for me for how I'm going to project myself as a coach. Wow. Is this what got you into becoming a creation coach? What is your story there? This is kind of a hard string to follow back into the past, but I started to read self-realization books when I was 12. So I, I have been Dang, into girl. this. I can tell you have the knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, goes back I've been far. into this world for years, for years and years. And I, I actually think it's part of my life mission to figure out how to help people through what I've learned. But I, and so I would say that since I was 12 years old, I've been interested because I recognized at a young age that I came from a mom, I come from a mom who was very mindful of the way she thinks. And so she taught me some things just by talking to me. And she would say things like, we are rich, Tracy. Our family is blessed. We have so, so much. Because my mom didn't want me to live in a state of, of um, scarcity. My mom was mindful to teach me I was wealthy. And I know that some people are like, well, and I believe wealth is more than the money you have in the bank. It's the friends you have. It's your faith. It's your abundance of, of your needs being met. Like all those things. And so I feel like, I went to college, and I remember I was at BYU-Idaho, and the teacher asked, uh, he said to us, he's like, who here is rich? And I was like, <laughs> nobody else is raising their hand. And I was a little embarrassed, but I realized that I had grown up in a different place. Like, it was that moment where you're like, wow. My mom taught me something that, like, other people don't get taught. Because it's not either acceptable or because they see riches as different than how I see riches. And though I do feel like I am tremendously blessed materially, I know I'm so tremendously blessed spiritually and physically and emotionally. I mean, to live in this day and age as a woman, this is the most tremendous time to live. Mm -hmm. And so I just cannot get over the abundance that's available to us, but that we have to continually choose. And Brooke Snow the creation coach program that I decided to finally do. So I, I chose her program and it's because I love Brooke Snow and it's because she takes self-realization and the gospel and she brings them together. She simulates them. She brings them. And there's this beautiful product that comes from that. And so I wanted to learn from her. And so I'm so grateful I chose her book, chose her program, her coaching program. And her coaching program is that you are a creator. You are a creator. That is your most fundamental. I mean, beside being a child of God, a ch children of God create. And so as a creator, that's where your power is. And so I really feel like through that process of going through my life, I've just always been interested in nonfiction books. I've always been into how do I change my life? How do I improve my mindset? How do I be empowered as a single adult woman? Because I remember being broken down by certain experiences. And when I was out in Washington, D.C., I worked out there for a couple years and I just experienced an intense amount of like not loving myself, you know, and really struggling to accept me for all my imperfections. And I had some experiences there that re like kind of solidified this lack of worthiness that I had for myself. And then I came home from there and I had an experience actually with a, a particular person who was like, the problem you have is that you do not love yourself. And I was like, that is so true. It's hurt. Like it pained me. And that, that was when I was about 28 when I, f well, so I came back from DC. Yeah. How old was I? I think that's when we met. When that's right, when back. we met. So yeah. anyway, but at that time, I kind of, I made this realization that I didn't love myself. And I realized that that was critical to moving forward. But that I just, it, it still took me some time to figure out, like, what does loving yourself look like? And I'm still working on that. But I just realized, like, God actually accepts me today as I am. Like, he actually does love and accept me. And because of his love and acceptance, 
I know that when I love and accept other people, they can also move from that state to a different state. They can go somewhere else with that love and acceptance as they are right now. And so I feel like the Savior, He loves and accepts us where we are right now, and He invites us to go, to go higher, like to up-level. And so I think that's my, my, my journey to becoming, to wanting to be a life coach has been like an ongoing process my whole life. And like bit by bit, I've had things that I've been taught and things that I've learned that have been like, that makes a difference, right? And so for example, when I was a single adult, I saw a lot of women who told the story, like there are no good men out here. There are no good single men. The men, it's five to one. It's 25 to one. It's, you know, whatever. Amen. Statistics. Sister <laughs> I mean, yeah. And also, and she's like, you got it, girl. And then she's like, Think, welcome to post-COVID life. Yeah. Um, gosh. <laughs> you're like, the desolation is real. Um, and also, I don't, I don't discount that. But whatever you focus on grows. And so I learned that if I focused on how much I loved myself, how beautiful the world is, all the good things I was learning, how abundantly blessed I was with many dates and men who loved me. And like I would tell myself before I went in places, men love me, men love me. And I would do <laughs> weird things like that, you know, or I'd walk in and be like, I got this. And then you'd have some occasions where you're like, okay, that didn't go as well as I planned, you know, like it didn't go as well as I planned. And then I'd have to tell myself, I am a high value woman as I walked away. I am a high value woman. I am a high value woman. And even though it was hard, because it was hard, I started to see like it created different results in my life. And so I was like, whoa, people, you got to believe that you're like, the woman, you know, and of course, then I, I came across Maya Angelou's, you know, um, pretty women wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size. But when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say it's the it's the like stretch of my arms, the span of my hips, the curl of my lips, the like the song on my lips or something. I can't remember. I'm a woman. Phenomenally phenomenal woman. That's me. Wow. And I just, I mean, that poem, what she is saying, what Maya Angelou is saying to the world is like, because I know who I am, I stun the world. Like, because I know I am a woman, phenomenally phenomenal woman, that's me. Like, when you start to tell yourself those things, like, you start to feel different. And, and when you're humble about it in the regards that, like, you're not doing it so that as a compensatory kind of as like, oh, because I'm so insecure, but also you need to like, if you have a lot of insecurity, you've got to like balance out that insecurity. Like you've got to bring in a different energy to help with that insecurity, right? And it might not like insecurity doesn't go so like, what's the emotion right above insecurity? What's the emotion that's just like a little bit above that? And it might be like sadness, right? But that's actually probably better. And so where can you move that emotion just up a little bit so that it's not so overwhelming, you know, or do you need to just move your body like so you can get into a different state of mind uh, or in a different different state of being? But whatever it may be, I'm just saying that like I learned that these little tactics had an impact on my life and I needed that more people could benefit from the decision to see themselves as the victor and not the victim in their lives. Wow. That's amazing. I love how you were talking about um, how you're building yourself up. Like, I'm a high-value woman. I forget what this is from. I think it was from Ralph Breaks the Internet 2. Have you guys <laughs> I love seen that? that? Number two. <laughs> I'm just going to be completely honest. No, I have not seen okay, this, but tell okay. us about it. <laughs> well, there's there's a funny part. They're, like, in a video game, and this this guy, he's, like, um, like some kind of it's like an intense video game where he's he's like he has a bandana on and tattoos like kind of this tough guy and he crashes through a wall in his car and it's like this total funny moment and he like sighs and he's all oh, I still have value I still have value <laughs> and it's like everyone in the theater laughs you know and it's like it's funny but it like it totally works it's, it's such a good tactic right. like to speak kindly to yourself and right. remind yourself that you have value no matter what and also you can still feel those feelings like you, you can't like fight yourself from feeling what you feel right like if you feel like a piece of bum crumb stump, <laughs> a piece of bum crumb <laughs> yeah if you feel any of that like you, you still have to acknowledge where you are but then 
you you really don't have to stay there for that long. Like I've learned that like you can stay with an emotion for 90 seconds of intensity and it'll probably pass. What if you don't want it to pass? What if you just want to feel depressed all day? I think you, you just want to cry. I better. think that that's that's totally up to you because mm-hmm. you are an agent. And so you get to choose that. And if you want to, then go for it. Do you think that's a bad thing? Do you think it's bad to cry in your room all day? I actually. So what I would say is labeling things bad and good is not always helpful, mm-hmm. especially for people who are in that space. It's it's more about right now. This is where I, this is how I am. Maybe this is how they're nurturing themselves in this moment is to cry in their bedroom for the whole day. Do I think they'll feel better after that? I don't. I don't think it'll actually create the mm-hmm. outcomes maybe they need, but maybe they need like, but maybe they need some rest mm-hmm. and what their body, that emotional response is going to allow them to sleep. And then they're going to wake up and feel different than they did when they went to, when they went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I actually don't, I just feel like you got to meet people where they are and and at the same time, that might be something that somebody needs today. But mm-hmm. well, I do feel like you have to kind of change your state to feel better. So sitting there and wallowing for a long, long period of time, it only will serve you for so long before it won't serve you anymore. So what if, what if someone develops this like, okay, if you cry, you get attention. And maybe you need love right now. So you cry. So someone will reach out to you and hug you and love you. Do you think that is, I'm trying not to label it good, bad, un- unhealthy Healthy or unhealthy? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it'd be better to learn how to just tell somebody instead of crying saying, hey, I need love right now. Will you give me love? But I also feel like that feels so unnatural to just tell somebody, hey, I need you to hug me and say sweet things to me right now because I'm sad. Or do you just <laughs> learn how to hug yourself and say sweet things to yourself? Do you know where I'm going yeah, with this? I actually feel like that's great. So I would, for, first off, I would say that sounds to me like a manipulation tactic, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like when you're looking at that, like if you're looking at it from a, like just a third party, mm-hmm. it looks like, oh, that person's using their tears to get attention mm. and it's like an emotional tactic. It's an emotional manipulation. But if that's the only way that person gets the attention, then that's interesting because if they can't get it in a different way, they'll all, they're always gonna refer, they're gonna go to where they can get the attention, whether it's positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And we can also like not label that. But I would say the goal is of course, to be able to self-soothe. And to go to God. Mm. I would say it's not just doing it by yourself. I know that the world teaches us, go to yourself, go to yourself, which is healthy. But you want to go to Christ and you want to just put it on him. Like, hey, I'm feeling so crummy right now. And this is how I'm feeling. And this is how I'm feeling. And this is how I'm feeling. And if you can be in a continual conversation with God all day long, Mm -hmm. as you're experiencing the anxiety, right now I'm feeling the anxiety. And I don't know why. I want to be, can you help me identify the thought or can you take it? Cause I'm willing to give it to you. It's just like being in a continual conversation with God. I feel like you can really access his power in a way that you can't mm-hmm. if you're just always like, I mean, in the regards that, yes, I do think it is healthier to tell someone like, Hey, right now I could really use a hug and some, and for you to reassure me how much you love me or how much you appreciate me. Could you tell me some things that you like about me? I still think that's fine because mm-hmm. then you're expressing it but I think people are like oh I don't want to do it that way well you don't have to do it that way you could do it other ways but I think it's healthier I think mm-hmm. it's healthier to express your needs and just be like hey this is honestly how I'm feeling can you be here for me but I I also would say like ultimately we want to be able to get to the point where we're like hey god I'm feeling these crummy feelings and I'd like to go either eat food Mm-hmm. I'd like to um, <laughs> go exercise to forget about it. I'd like to, and sometimes those things help, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes we need to be like, you know, I'm going to sit here and feel it, really going to feel it, but I'm only going to be here, God, for two minutes. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. where I'm done. And, I, and then I'm going to change my state because I feel like I've properly felt it. And maybe I need to deal with this in a different way. And if that's the case, help me to do that. But I really think ultimately it does come down to like surrender. Like I'm surrendering. It's your, your grace is sufficient. Like help me to get through this. And then utilizing tactics that you've seen work for yourself. Like for me, journaling is super helpful. So if I'm feeling super unheard, it would be really good for me to pick up a pen 
and write down all the things I feel unheard about. And it would be really helpful for me to start like actually processing the stuff that's trying to come up, but that I'm not giving enough space or time to for it to get out. Interesting. So sorry, Steph. I feel like no, if I, you have any no, 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 questions, I'm just, I just loving that. Like, this is just like so organic and that you asked that question about anxiety and it actually ties into everything you want to do. So I love it. Right. Okay, so this is something I cannot wrap my head around. So I've I've done Jody Moore's Be Bold program. I've read Brooke Snow stuff. Like this whole idea of like self-soothing. I literally do not get it at all. To me, it just seems so depressing to cuz in my mind, this is always how I've been when I'm sad, I go to people. I want I want to be hugged and I, I want to talk about my feelings and I want someone to take care of me. That's what I want. And that's what I do for people when they're sad. I hug them and I take care of them. And that's just so I I don't know. It just seems really lonely to me to be like, I'm really sad. So instead of going and talking to someone and trying to get help from somebody else, I'm going to and I'm not I'm not saying that this this is just what's in my head. Yeah, right? yeah I love it. I'm going to lock myself in my room and write in my journal and cry all by myself. Like then I don't know. I feel like if I did that, it would turn into me feeling sorry for myself and feeling even more sad. And it just seems really depressing. And then I ask myself, well, then what's the point of other people? Like, yeah, if we all just self-soothe, why do we even need each other? Right. Do you know what I'm you saying? Said I've actually had the same. I've had this exact same thought. Like, so it's, so okay. this is not just like unique to you. And I'm sure that there's other people who are listening who are like, yes, like finally Good. somebody <laughs> is like actually like expressing this. So I would say like, first off, Keen observation is something I've also felt. So this is something that I've, um, I'm currently in a program right now, and it's all about this whole concept of learning how to give yourself what you need, basically, mm-hmm. like giving it to yourself instead of requiring other people to do things a certain way. And then when they disappoint you, you're like also frustrated by it. So that was, maybe mm-hmm. that's a little different, but the whole idea that like we need each other because mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is we do. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I would say, yes, we do need each other and, w- and we do need to like support each other emotionally and we do need therapists and we do need counselors and we do need coaches. We need people who are, we need people who know how to utilize, like how to clear trauma. I mean, my friend is an accelerated resolution therapist and she helps people clear their trauma and she's amazing. And do I recommend that? Absolutely. Especially for people who realize like they need their, they just are so stuck in something like they, there's so many different ways. There's so many ways out there to like find your way through. And so there is that part of me that's like, wow, this is so, so interesting. Um, but I found This question, I would say it's not either or. Mm. I would say it's both. And and the reason why I would say this is because in a way, it's like we do need each other. Fundamentally, we do. In fact, it's bothered me many times in life when I hear people sing songs like, I love myself and I don't need anybody else. Anybody but me. Or if I love me. Yeah. Yeah. There's that song. Or if I were you. I'd want to be me too. Uh, yeah. And like these songs and both of them are all about like, it's my, it's like me who created this. And it feels pride. It feels very proud. Like it feels like, no, actually, how many people went into producing that song? Like I said, this at the Utah Podcast Coalition and that whole mm-hmm. idea, like we yeah. need each other in order to like succeed. And, and how could I have gotten to this point without Steph? Or how could I have gotten to this point without other people being willing to come on my podcast and like participate? And do you know what I mean? There, I, I wouldn't have been able to create this without other people's willingness to participate. And also when I feel really crummy, I'm super grateful that I can I can send a message to a friend and that they're going to offer me their, their sympathy or they're going to offer me their empathy or they're going to offer me some insight that maybe I need on the situation that I'm just not going to get from myself. But I think... That oftentimes we escape to others when we should be escaping to God. And I, that's just my personal, this is my personal perspective. And it, I think each person knows. Like if I, I would say that, yes, we do need each other. 
And we do need to go to each other and to provide that. And I think we need that for connection. Like if nobody ever comes to me with anything that's hard about them, it's really hard to connect. Like it's super hard. Like how can you, how many times have you gone somewhere and you've been like, wow, I felt like I didn't connect with a single soul there. And it was really because nobody was willing to open up. Nobody really showed up in a way that was super authentic. And maybe you did, but it didn't get received well. And so then you just walked out of there like, this did not feel very good. Yeah. And so I guess to answer that question, I'm maybe I need to ponder it further. I've thought about the same thing, but I've kind of been like, maybe it's not either or, but it's like both and in the regards that we need to learn mm-hmm. at times, like even checking in with ourselves and being like, am I going to Steph right now instead of going to God? Mm. And do I need to I talk to God Marco first? Polo or Voxer? So that I'll feel reassured because they're mm. hearing me. And I want the reassurance from a physical person. Or do I need to go to God and actually talk to him about this first Mm -hmm. before I go to another person? And I often think that we do that. We offset God or we Mm -hmm. offset listening to ourselves and what ourselves have to say about something. And we go to other people. And so I think it's just putting things in the right order. You put that so well. That, so it really does come down to so like finding a balance. Sometimes, so maybe sometimes it's appropriate to soothe yourself, and sometimes it's appropriate to go to somebody. But make sure that your priorities are straight and that you're getting all your needs met. Right, and that okay. you're actually going to the sources that can actually help you. Right, like like you go to certain people for certain things. Right, yeah. Like some people, you know, like I'm not going to talk to you about this because in the past that didn't go over very well, and I know like, or maybe you trust this person or you don't trust this person. Okay, that makes sense. And I would say, like for example, with Steph, I'm going to go to Steph for for if I'm like Steph, I just did this really silly thing and I'm embarrassed about it. Yeah. I'm totally going to go to Steph. Yeah. I'm for sure going to tell her like Steph, you will not believe what I just did, and she's going to like she's going to laugh. She's going to lighten the mood for me. And she's going to be like, oh, I've been so embarrassed to Tracy. And she'll like, you know what I mean? In a way, I just feel so safe to go to her mm-hmm. and tell her what I did. And I'm going to do that just because I know from previous experience that she's going to make me feel better. And what I really mm-hmm. want to feel is better <laughs> about whatever happened. And so, and I think that's fine. I think that's totally fine. But I do think that oftentimes we go to the hardware store looking for bread, right? Mm-hmm. That's what my friend, she taught that to me, the that's whole principle. Like we're trying to go to certain places looking for certain things that they just can't give us. Like they're just, it's not even in the, sh- it's not on the shelves. It's mm-hmm. not there to give us. So like we maybe know that we can go to our mom for a specific thing, but we know that our sister is a better place to go for a different thing. But in the ultimate thing, if they don't come up with what we want them to, are we then devastated? Why couldn't they provide that? It's like, well, they're not God. That makes sense. And then if you always go to somebody else and get your answer for some, from somebody else, then you never learn how to talk to yourself. You don't learn how to listen to your gut. You don't learn how to listen to the spirit. That, and that makes provokes so a lot sense. of anxiety. So I wonder if that is like a adversary tactic. Like go to someone, like ignore what's inside of you. We have for sure seen that. Both Steph and I have totally recognized that in our boxer conversations. We've always been like, okay, I'm going to go talk to God first because I'm tempted to come to you first, but I know that right now I actually need to talk to God. Don't you think? Yeah, I think that's great. Because I'm just sitting here beaming because... I mean, we're at 50 minutes already. Oh Does it even feel like we've been talking for 50 minutes? I actually no. realized I was like, I know we're getting close to an hour. <laughs> but the thing that I love is that, first off, I'm very impressed. You guys don't use like hardly any filler words, so props for oh, that. Oh, good. <laughs> and this is the first time I've seen you guys really – I mean, like me and Tracy have done interviews, and like – We've interviewed each other, but this is a whole different dynamic where like Melody is super curious about this topic and really asking you questions that you want to know, right? These are like all my questions about life. Yeah, right? (laughs) And like, and just the way that you're answering them, I'm like, this is exactly why you are this creation coach because it's like hearing, I love seeing my friends in their element and Tracy, as you're like chatting, it's just like, all this information don't you feel melody that we're just yes. soaking up but no this entire time i'm like of course you're a creation coach you were born for this 
<laughs> and I just Thanks, want to, guys. But I just want to go to my plug because um I am one of your clients and I love that like we um went on a walk one night because I told her, hey, I need to get my steps in, so let's do this through walking. And you like asked me one of my goals and it was to cook more foods at home. So she went through Melody, like literally every food to see what I liked and it came to I started to realize a lot of foods I didn't like because for years they were diet foods and then she just like figured out all these ways for me to um be able to cook at home and I did a month without eating out at any restaurant so I made all my own meals you know um and just which is amazing just seeing you um really come into your own with this position, I love it because you have that knowledge to really help people. I mean, you're like quoting this poem by Maya Angelou that I'm like, how do you even remember that? You know, but like (laughs) you just regurgitate, is that the word? You just regurgitate this like knowledge. Mm. And so if you're listening and you want Tracy to be your creation coach, you need to contact her. Yeah, my website is tracyrobbinsking.com, and it's T-R-A-C-Y-R-O-B-B-I-N-S-K-I-N-G.com. She is related to Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah, and so Tony King. Robbins and Mel Robbins are my home, my homies. <laughs> uh, uh, wink, wink. And um, I am also on Instagram at Tracy D. Robbins. And you can follow me on, um, you can also add me as a friend on Facebook at Tracy Robbins King. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. So you can look there if you'd like to. And I'm super grateful for this opportunity to talk about anxiety because I'm sure there's more, there's clearly more for me to learn here. I have no doubt, like there's just a lot I need to learn right now. But I do feel like it's kind of the direction my life has led me to figure out how to help more people in this way did you even know that that's really what she wanted to do when you asked that question no i didn't (laughs) it just kind of happened right yeah yeah so cool the power of interviewing giving people the opportunity to share their thoughts is just an incredible thing i feel so honored i feel like i got like a free coaching session from you (laughs) well i feel like that wasn't a coaching session it was me just being like (laughs) no you were answering all her questions melody took like all these notes i did (laughs) that was so fun mel what's our, our challenge for the listeners our challenge for the listeners is to follow Tracy, go to her website, follow her on Instagram. And if you want to ask her your life questions, contact her because she obviously knows her stuff. (laughs) 